1996, Atari officially shut down, and the original source code to Asteroids and Centipede was thrown out in the trash. In an elaborate hoax, Taco Bell took out ads in six major newspapers, claiming it had bought the Liberty Bell and was renaming it the Taco Liberty Bell. But the biggest hoax of 1996 came from Major Vic Deakins when he stole two nuclear missiles and tried to pin it on his co-pilot, Captain Riley Hale. GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz, hot shot! Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for tea. Please, we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, everybody. I am LPJ. And with me is, of course, as always, the Sphinx. What's going on, LPJ? <laughs> well, that's so funny. That caught me off guard. Hello, Sphinx. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? I am all right. I am all right. Uh, we have a very, very special guest here with us today. We do. We do. My lovely, beautiful wife is Uh-oh. here, Mrs. LPJ, Aaron. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Aaron. How are you? I'm great. Yeah? I'm glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for actually listening to the show. I appreciate that. I enjoy your show. Well, thank you. And not just because I'm married to you. I was going to say, you. he doesn't hold you at gunpoint and says, listen to this, does he? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I listen voluntarily. All right, good, good. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so today, we are here to talk about... Um, this movie was actually suggested to me by Aaron because it is, as she tells it, maybe the only action movie she actually liked. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> so we're here to talk well, about... 1996's Broken Arrow. Nice. Mm-hmm. It is a great movie. Well, maybe. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll see. <laughs> I guess I, I have I have some fond memories of that movie, for sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, I can get right into it. Yeah, when, when was the first time you saw it? I mean, it was, it was a family rental, you know? So, I'm pretty sure we all sat in the living room and watched it one night. Um, I remember loving it. My dad bought it probably on VHS. He did buy it on VHS. So, we it had it on VHS. Yeah. yeah. So, we had a version of it, and I would rewatch it all the time. Like, I was hooked on this movie as a kid. Um, I always thought John Travolta was so cool in it. You know, like, he's kind of like, I don't, I don't know. You know, like, the way he spoke, the way he held his cigarette, he was just kind of chill, like, kind of badass. And for some reason, I liked that. So I can understand that, I suppose. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. So. I kind of thought I kind of thought Travolta was channeling a little too much Nick Cage in this movie. Yeah, he probably was. I I didn't really mind Nick Cage as a kid either. It wasn't until later I realized how awful he truly was. But yeah, I mean, I I watched this movie a lot when I was a kid, and it's been a long time since I have watched it until we did it for the show. So yeah, I saw this movie. We we had rented it. It was. I'm sure it was me and Joe who mm-hmm. rented it at some point and watched it on some kind of sleepover like we normally did every summer. We'd have tons of sleepovers, and uh, I bet you I would assume we watched it then. I do remember seeing I never saw it in the theater, obviously. Yeah. Um, I was a little too young for that. But we definitely – oh, I don't know. Maybe not. 96? 96, yeah. I may have seen it in the theater. You would have been, what, 15? I would have been 16. You would have been 16. Yeah, because this came out – yeah, I would have been 16. 17. Almost 17, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I bet you we probably did see this in the theater now that I think about it. Because we were big Speed fans, and um, this was basically from the makers of Speed. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, we probably saw it in the theater now that I think about it. I definitely did see it on VHS, though, at some point after that, though. Mm-hmm. Aaron, how about you? So I also would have watched this as a rental. And really, I think the nostalgia or the reason I chose this movie or had some sort of good thoughts about it was really because it would have been the first like adult action movie that I would have been allowed to see because I was 13 and unlike Jason I did have very strong rental uh, rating restrictions on the things that I was allowed to watch growing up so I'm pretty sure this would have been the first sort of adult action movie that I would have been like allowed to watch at that point now you certainly were aware of like other action movies right like your parents didn't like blind you or hide you away from as many as they could right i pretty much grew up under a rock (laughs) okay um i was not allowed to watch the simpsons or mtv sounds like my life too (laughs) anything like that Um, so I'm sure I was aware of it in a context of like they existed, but I probably had never, I mean, I hadn't seen any until this point. Okay. Well, very cool. Mm-hmm. I wish, <laughs> never mind. That's just going to get into it. I was going to say, I wish it was a better movie that started you into <laughs> action movies and Broken Arrow, but you know, everyone has to have a, a first. Yeah. You know? What, what drew you to it? Was it Christian Slater? Uh, yes, obviously. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, so Christian Slater was part of it, but also Samantha Mathis, who I had just seen in Little Women, um, you know, that was a big draw as well. I didn't realize she was in that. Oh, yeah. She was like older Amy, not that you care, but the point is that, D- you Different know, podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think, think LBJ just did each other like, okay. <laughs> uh, and then obviously John Travolta. From Greece and you oh, know. from Greece, right? From Greece, not from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> no. Um. Again, I grew up under yeah. a rock, so yeah. I'm sure no. not Saturday Night Fever. That one's probably a little bit too risky. I mean, the dancing. Right. It's no. a little intense. <laughs> Even Greece could be borderline. Like, yeah. I mean, what's her name? Got pregnant in uh, Greece, right? What's that was her? a false alarm. Oh, it was. So <laughs> 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 that tells you how much I paid attention in Greece, but. Sorry. Yeah. So, and then obviously <laughs> Christian Slater, who was in um, Untamed Heart, uh-huh. which would have been a movie that I had been snuck to see, like with my older sister. So, yeah, I got a feeling Julia <laughs> contributed. To maybe that. bent the rules a few times. Once or twice. Uh huh. Once or twice. Yep. Nice. Yep. So, so this movie. 1996. Yeah. It's John Woo. 20th Century Fox. I yep. got here. Yeah, and Wu was, at the time, he was a famous Hong Kong director. Very famous Hong Kong director. He was probably, he was as famous in Hong Kong as Spielberg was here in the U.S. Yeah. I, I would say easily. And, and I really did think that he was even pretty famous in the United States, but looking back, not no. really. No, not this time. I mean, and he had a couple big hits, and then that was it. Like, he was done. Yeah. Yeah. Hard Target was the first movie he did in 93. Yeah. He uh, did with, Face Off later with Travolta. Yeah. That was the next movie after this one. Yeah. And then I had Mission Impossible 2, and that was really about it. Not even saying that Mission Impossible 2 was good. It was pretty good. I don't think I've actually seen that one. I, I would say of the Mission Impossible movies, that's the worst. Yeah. Um, but it still it wasn't a bad movie the mission impossible movies in general are very good yeah did you look back on any of john woo's childhood i kind of for some reason i kind of got mesmerized by it he had an interesting early life kind of sad too sure bring it up so his family was christian 
Uh, they fled during the Communist Revolution. They had to flee to Hong Kong, which was still controlled by the British. And his family had, like, no money. They lived in the slums of Hong Kong. Dad had tuberculosis. Family was homeless in the 50s. Like, just had nowhere to live. Eventually, they found their way into the projects. And he had, like, this surgery done on his spine. And it left him, like, permanently deformed where one leg was longer than the other. And so, like, his only refuge, you know, like, his only way, you know, his only way to get away from life was he actually go to the movies. And he loved um, American musicals and westerns. And I think that that's interesting because when I think about, like, westerns and I think about Broken Arrow, there's a lot of similarities that happened there. So I think Wu, when he finally started to make that breakthrough that, you know, when he broke ground into the United States after Hard Target, you know, the fact that Broken Arrow was done in the Utah desert, the fact that even the theme is kind of Western sounding and all that. Um, he's really big into Mexican standoffs, which there's several times it happens in the movie. Um, Not just I think, this movie either. He has a lot of tropes <clears throat> yeah. that first pop up in this movie. Yeah. So you can definitely see from this film those Western movie influences that he had in the 50s trying to get away. Yeah, so, absolutely. And I, even the movie Broken Arrow is a Western movie from the 1950s. There's yes. a movie called that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about, now that I'm thinking back on it, I didn't even, for whatever reason, didn't make the Western connection when I was watching the movie um, until just now. Now I'm thinking about it. The whole movie is basically mm-hmm. a Western. Yeah. You know, it's it's absolutely 100% a Western. Yeah, instead of horses and carriages, you're fighting with Hummers and raft boats and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. exactly. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so, go ahead. Uh, I've got it's produced by Mark Gordon. Um, he is someone that we've talked about before already on this show, uh, as he did Speed. So same thing with the writer Graham Yost. Yes, exactly. I mean, so. this is this is basically their follow up. There, so Gordon and um, Yost were kind of a writing producing team, mm-hmm. and this was their follow up to Speed. Was uh, was was Broken Arrow, and they obviously they needed, they had. Um, uh, John DeBont do speed. They want another big action director. So, you know, let's, let's grab John Woo. Yeah, absolutely. And then for our music is, uh, as another person that we've already talked about Hans Zimmer. So, which is interesting because this does not sound like a Hans Zimmer soundtrack at all. No, not at all. This is very much outside of the norm for Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Cause the way I always think of Zimmer is he's very atmospheric. Like you don't notice the soundtrack when it's Hans Zimmer because he's setting mood for what's going on in the film. But I feel like, like you know, that guitar twang that goes on in the film is so recognizable. Like, I just kept, before I watched, rewatched the movie for the podcast, I, that's what I kept thinking in my head was, you know, that song. That's all I, I kept thinking about. I knew I had recognized the music, and I never pieced it together that it was from this movie until I rewatched it. I'm like, that's where that's from. Oh, is this movie? I, I knew I, it was always stuck in my head. Uh, I and, always uh, this is where I pieced this. it together. There we go. So I think we do have a clip of um, the little intro here to Broken Arrow, which does get repeated over and over again. So we do have that. And then I'm going to make another little spiel about it after we hear the theme there. So let's see what we got. Do you like the song, uh, Aaron? Sure. Is, it, is it as catchy to you as it is to the rest of us? Very. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
after after hearing that, this other time listening around, I'm like this. I'm like that guitar just sounds too familiar to something. And then kind of going off of that 1950s Western movie thing, I did a little bit more research on it, and uh, lo and behold, the the film crew and and Hans Zimmer got the the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Dwayne Eddy to actually play the guitar for that song. And Dwayne Eddy, he is known as the Titan of Twang. Like he came up with that guitar sound. I had that, no that we idea. hear from Broken Arrow. I had no idea that that was the case. So Zimmer went right to the source and brought in Dwayne Eddy to play that kind of western feel uh, for this movie. So we just have two really quick uh, songs from Dwayne Eddy. We'll just play a little small clip from it. The first one's going to sound super, super recognizable to people. That's the Peter Gunn theme. So we've got that going. <laughs> You guys know that song, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've heard it in a million different things. It's been in different video games. I believe it's actually the, uh, if you've ever played the game Spy Hunter for the for uh, Sega. Really? The Master System. It's the song from uh, from that, for, that's the whole, that's the entire soundtrack for that video game is this song. That could be kind of obnoxious over and over and over again. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, def- I recognize it from the Blues Brothers, so that's always a song when they're driving in the car. Is this a song you had heard growing up in Allard? Nope. No? <laughs> no, not at <laughs> all. I'm actually kind of surprised. This is, uh, this is definitely a song that's in your dad's wheelhouse. I'm yeah. Possibly. Again. Like rock. <laughs> sheltered? Yes, very sheltered. All right, fair enough. And then this last one, just a small clip of it, was actually a huge hit in the 1950s, uh, and that's uh, Rebel Rouser. Rouser? Rouser. Sorry. <laughs> That one sound familiar too? Not as familiar as as uh, no. Peter Gunn, but see, maybe I these songs are super familiar to me. My grandfather had a bunch of classic cars, and we would always go like cruising around, and we'd always go to car shows and all that. So he would always be playing like the oldie station, and like that was his era, like when he was a teenager in the fifties. Sure. Like so, I also always listen to that music this too. This is absolutely a classic movie car song yeah there's a few of them like this peggy sue stuff like that yeah absolutely right but oh i guess it was in the sandlot too huh oh i haven't seen the sandlot in a long time i'm gonna have to catch up on that but you know but can you obviously matching that to the broken arrow theme right like it totally makes sense that this is all it's him right yeah it absolutely makes sense i, I almost think that it almost sounds like zimmer wrote the theme to this based on having 
what's his name, Eddie? Yeah, Dwayne Eddie. Dwayne Eddie, uh, come in and do it. So it's almost a, a, as if the whole soundtrack is a tribute to Dwayne Eddie. Yeah, very well could be. I wish I knew a little bit more about it, but you know, I'm not going to bore our listeners too no, much I'm longer. No, this is good. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Moving on. Well, I got one last thing though, which is kind of weird, but okay. I found it interesting. Sure. This soundtrack to Broken Arrow was actually recycled. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> which is bizarre, especially what movie they did it for. Very much so. So it is Scream 2 that this entire soundtrack was was used for, I think it was the scenes with Courtney Cox and is it one of the Arquettes? It was or David Arquette. Yeah. So apparently that was like their theme throughout Scream 2 was the Broken Arrow guitar twang soundtrack. They just used it. I don't even remember that being it. I've seen Scream <clears> 2. <throat> I don't remember that being in the movie. Me and I neither. I can't even fathom that fitting that movie. <laughs> right? Like when I saw it, I'm like, there's no way that would ever fit or make any sense. And I get that but, John Carpenter likes to make movies on the cheap, but Scream was such a huge hit. Why would they bother recycling a, a, a soundtrack? No idea. Right? I mean, soundtracks aren't expensive, are they? I guess it depends uh, on who's yeah, writing them. I guess so. All right. Do we want to go through our cast here for Let's the film? So we've got John Travolta. Uh, who is United States Air Force Major Vic Deakins, or Deke as he is more commonly called in the film. You know, 96 is a hell of a year for Travolta. I've got him doing uh, two other movies. He's in Phenomenon, which I remember seeing that and thinking it wasn't anything special. That could have been in your wheelhouse, Karen, right? I definitely saw that movie. What would you think about Phenomenon? <laughs> um... I probably liked it. I'm sure it's been a while since I've seen it, yeah. but it seems like a movie I'd like. Yeah, it definitely seems like a movie you would like. Yeah, I think that's that one, one that one would be glasses, that one would be right? acceptable. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the other one, which I'm going to guess you've probably seen too, is Michael, where he's yeah. the angel. Yeah. I've seen that one. Saw that one too. Yeah. yeah that was yeah. actually pretty good. Was it? Was it? I don't remember it being terrible. I think I remember it was a kid, which is probably the only time I saw it. I'm like, this movie's dumb. Like, why is this <laughs> angel? Because I just remember the scene. He's like eating like cereal with his wings on. Like in a kitchen, I'm like, this is dumb. I think I I, t- I turned off from it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I don't. Know. How about you rewatch it for us, LPJ, and you let us know if it's still sure. That'll be that other good. podcast I do about movies mm. where I just watch Travolta's non-action films. And there you go. And it's interesting too because this is definitely in the prime of Travolta's like resurgence in in Hollywood. You know, I mean, he's so big in the late '70s with Saturday Night Fever and, and Grease, and then he he's kind of off the map in the '80s. I mean, he has a really down decade, and then 94 is Pulp Fiction, and I mean, you know, he's nominated for uh, Best Actor, and then after that, like, the movie roles just start rolling in for him for the rest of the 1990s and onward. Yeah, but I'm trying to think, would this movie have started filming prior to him being huge with, because Pulp Fiction took a while to get big, because it was such a small film. Did it, though? I mean, I, w- I was pretty young when Pulp Fiction came out. I know it was nominated for a lot of awards. Yeah, but it was, that was 94, right? Yeah. So that was 94. This is 96. But it didn't... Um, but I think it hit the uh, independent circuit first, and it started to gain, ste- gain steam, and then it was wide-released. Okay. So I got a feeling... I think maybe this movie was prior to... Was prior to his gigantic fame. But then, obviously, like Face Off was the next movie he yeah. after this, and that was gigantic. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe just all of them combined all just kind of led to it could have been especially his with like Michael started. and Phenomenon all coming out within a relatively short period of time. Yeah, you know he did have a chance to play the good guy or the bad guy in this movie. I saw that, and he did go with the bad guy, mm-hmm. which I feel like would have been way better. 
you know, I think it, I think in the end it turned out being better. Like I don't know, Aaron, would you have liked Christian Slater to be the bad guy? No, I don't think so. I think <laughs> Christian Slater is definitely more good guy material. I don't think they would have cast Christian Slater yeah, as the true. bad guy. Although no. have have I know you haven't. Have you seen Mr. Robot, Nick? I Spinks? have not. Mr. Robot's really good, and uh, and he plays kind of a pseudo bad guy in it. Okay, and he's phenomenal in it. It's probably the th- that's by far the best I've ever seen him is in Mr. Robot. It's one of those shows I have on my list. I haven't gotten to it yet, though. You absolutely so. need to watch. It's not a long watch either. Each each season is only like ten episodes long. Okay, and there's only three seasons so far. And so we do have Christian Slater who plays uh, Captain Riley Hale. Um, maybe peak of Slater's career at this point. He was pretty young, though. I think I saw he was only like 24, 25 in the movie. He was. And I would say this is not the peak of his career, um, only because, believe it or not, his career never slowed down. He does. Did it ever really speed up? No, it did. Because he, if you look at his IMDb page, he's consistently made things the entire length of his career. Uh, he does a lot of voiceover work for cartoons, too, as well. Okay. Um, and uh, and he's done a lot of smaller things as well, and mixed in TV shows. So he does a lot. He does a lot across all all of the spectrum of of, of entertainment. Okay. So Aaron, I mean, L- LPJ spilled the beans a few episodes ago and said that you know you really you know you've you've got a thing for Christian Slater. You thought he was a good looking guy and all that. I don't I know. Thought. I mean, come on, he still <laughs> is. Let's be real. Did now, you see? Did you see Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? No. <coughs> okay. Never mind. <laughs> and, and did you do you know any of his background? Nope. Okay. Do you want me to share any of his background? Is it going to change my opinion of him? Possibly. Let's hear it. Oh man, <laughs> come on. I, I mean, I dig. I did some digging, and uh, he he's had kind of a rough a rough go around. I, he is um, pretty much an alcoholic. He has been. Uh, he's gone and gotten help for it several times. He has been charged with sexual assault a few times as well. What? Yep. And um, now this one's not really on him, but his wife at the time apparently beat the crap out of him at the Hard Rock Cafe in (laughs) Vegas, threw a glass at him that gave him 20 stitches on his neck. So (laughs) it like shattered right on him and pretty intense there. So sounds like, um, I don't know. Possibly a little unstable. Might I mean, be a little unstable. That of a doesn't guy. really change his attractiveness, though. <laughs> no. And he seems to be a lot better now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's maybe getting his life together, whatever sure. it may I mean, be. Look at a guy like Robert Downey Jr. He got that's, his life together. That's true. Charlie Sheen, believe it or not, has gotten his life together. Uh, uh, I mean, he's not. I mean, more so than a few years. I mean, he's ago. not drinking Tiger blood anymore, is he? But. <laughs> no. Or you know, has a brothel of hookers. <laughs> We got Samantha Mathis as Park Ranger Terry Carmichael. Um, you know, she actually did two previous movies with Slater. Oh, you're mad at me, huh? I took that away from you, didn't I? Sorry. No, go ahead. You're fine. Well, it's fine. I, it's I'm fine. sorry. You know, I, I'll just play this now. It's cool. Here, let me let me throw this up here for you. Pop quiz, hot shot. That's fine. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry I took that away from you, LPJ. That's okay. That's okay. I'll, f- I'll come up with something. I was going to say, you got to find a different one. Then. Go ahead. I, I have one for you, then. I, well, I'll use that for you. But And you might actually know this. She may know. Mm, I think this one might be more in your direction. Okay. She was in a video game movie. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah, it's Super Mario Brothers the movie. Everybody knows that. Come I wouldn't on. say everybody. Did you know that, Aaron? I did not know that. Okay. Well, Aaron, can you name... So There we go. 
Yeah. She plays the love interest. Her and Christian Slater are love interests in two other movies besides this one. Can you name either of those two movies? One of them I know you've seen. The other one I know you haven't seen. Do you want to give me a hint? It's a cartoon. One of them's animated. One of them is not animated. <laughs> that doesn't help. No, I do not know the answer to this. So the non-animated movie, they were together in Pump Up the Volume. I don't even know what that movie is. That movie's great. Is it? Yeah, it's about a uh, Christian Slater uh, basically forms a pirate radio station in his basement to stick it to the man uh, of his high school. And um, and it sort of takes the town over and everybody wants to figure out. And he walks around kind of hiding his identity. People don't know it's really him. It's so, a good movie. You sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the animated movie is Ferngully, The Last Rainforest. Oh, I did see that uh-huh. one. What's your favorite part of Ferngully? I mean, <laughs> let me think about it. What was the bat's name? <laughs> I don't remember. It's been a long time yeah, since I I've seen that. I have not seen Ferngully since. You know who loves kid. Ferngully? Chops. Chops loves Ferngully. <laughs> he, lo- he used to watch that movie repeatedly, like back to back to back. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Samantha Mathis also, this could be a pop quiz for your LPJ since we gave the other one to Aaron. Samantha Mathis did another movie with John Travolta. Do you know what it is? It hasn't been released yet, but it is a movie that we have already reviewed. It hasn't been released yet, but it's a movie we've already reviewed. Yeah, like we haven't publicly shared the episode yet. Yet, we have already discussed the movie. Oh, that's right. The Punisher. Yes. Ah, I forgot about that. She's Frank Castle's wife. wife. Yes. Yep. So, it's interesting that she's got this relationship with these other people, because I'll tell you right now, I had no idea who she was. Like, I guess she, she... um, colored her hair because it's super red in this movie. Yeah, it's and I guess that's not her hair at all in real life, right? No, she's so blonde. she's been in a surprisingly large amount of films as kind of a like a love interest or not not necessarily a leading lady, but okay, you know, as a supporting character. Okay, Helen Hunt was offered the role, but she uh, turned it down for Twister. I saw that. I think she made the right choice. I think she made the right <laughs> choice too, without a doubt. Um, Delroy Lindo is Colonel Max Williams. Uh, he, I just remembered him. He was the detective and gone in 60 seconds. Delroy Lindo's been in a lot of stuff. He was in, uh, he was in, um, oh, it's a Tobey Maguire movie. Why can't I think of it now? Oh, Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man. Oh, Pleasantville. Cider House Rules. Oh, Cider House Rules. He was in the Cider House Rules. Mm, Okay. He's been in a, a lot of different things. Well, you named one, but okay. Frank Whaley is Giles. Um, which I really want to go back to the character Giles when we go over this film later. Um, but you're, you're, you're giving a look right now. You don't even know who I'm talking like, about. Who is Giles? Right. Which is exactly why. Anyway, we'll get there momentarily. But Frank Whaley, he looked so familiar when I was rewatching this movie. And then when I looked up, you know, history of these actors and all that, like it immediately clicked to me who he is. Do you know who that actor is also in another famous movie with Travolta? The one that we've already talked about. Lay it on me. It's Pulp Fiction. He is the dude from the famous burger scene that gets shot with Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, that's right. He's like, say what again? What? Boom. He's the guy that gets shot. Like, I knew who that was. 
You're real excited about I that. Lo- that's I like can't my, believe I you love that scene. I love jumped out of your chair. Chops knows I love Tarantino movies, and so you know what, if Chops fiction, were here, he could back you up. Well, that's probably true, um, and that's one of my favorite scenes of all time. I mean, for so many people. Anyway, he's a dude that gets shot. Does he look like a bitch? Anyway, all right, I'll keep moving on. Bob Gunton is Pritchett. Um, who's the financier uh, for Broken Arrow? I like Bob Gutton just in general. I do too. He always is like a character role. Like he, he to me, he always reminds me you know, like he's the warden from Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Um, he's also in Daredevil, which I started watching the TV show. Yeah, but he's, he's always got little roles everywhere. Leland Owlsley. Yeah. The owl. And then we've got a former NFL football Pro Bowl star, Howie Long. Who is uh, Margit, uh, Master Sergeant Kelly. You know what? He wasn't terrible in this. He was not at all. He was actually pretty solid. He sure was. And, uh, you know, his scream when he dies is now a famous scream that is used in movies. The Howie scream. <laughs> I do know that, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, just like we have the Wilhelm scream, we got the Howie scream. And it, uh, I also read he did all of his own stunts in this movie. He did do all of his own stunts. Which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So, last person I had on the character list was Vondi Curtis Hall, who is um, Sam Rhodes. He's the guy that finds the nuke and then gets shot. Because um, I just remember him from Die Hard 2. And oh, then he's also right. in Daredevil. He's the reporter. Yep. So. Pop quiz, hot shot. Oh, you got one for me since I blew your other one? Yeah. There is a, another actress who has offered the role of uh, Samantha Mathis' role. Okay. Or not offered the role. She was She auditioned for the role and was turned down for a dubious reason. She was turned down? Yes. She turned down for the role for a dubious reason. Right, yeah, help me out a little bit more. It was Halle Berry. That didn't help me out. That just gave it to me. Uh, why was she turned down? Well, well, back up here. Why did you just give it to me? I, I said the I wanted pop a hint. Quiz, the pop quiz is why was she, what dubious reason oh, was she why? turned down? 96. Um, I don't know. It's like right in the beginning of her career, right? I mean, I guess. I have no idea. Any ideas, Aaron? Racism. Bingo. You are absolutely <laughs> correct. Really? The producers told her there's no black park rangers. What? <laughs> how, that's, like, how can that be true in 1996? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not the producer. I didn't make it. I'm just telling you what I'm reading here. Really? That's it. Poor, yep. poor Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. This this really derailed her career. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. If only she would have been in Broken Arrow, she might have seen a different life. All right. We ready to get through this movie? Let's roll. Let's do this. All right. Movie starts off. We got a nice boxing scene there. Helga, Hold on. What? It's not a nice boxing scene. I think it's kind of fun. Travolta like, starts a, off from the top. Well, yeah, he, he beats a, a shit out of He is him. a garbage fake boxer. Really? He's terrible. That might be the worst fake boxing scene I've seen on camera. I don't know. Watch a Rocky movie and they all seem pretty fake to me. Oh, <laughs> you. <laughs> don't you. Don't you say that. The Rocky movies are shot so well. The boxing scenes are hyper-realistic. Okay. Well, either way, we've got... So he's Deke. Travolta's Deke. Slater is Hal. Hal gets a shit kicked out of him. They um, both work for the U.S. Air Force. They have to, uh, I think it was an exercise, is that right? It wasn't really like a mission. It was just like a... Yeah, they were running through some some, exercise. some exercises to get uh, get used to the way they would handle, you know, delivering nuclear weapons to a particular target. Yeah, so they, they needed to fly under the radar, so they were off the radar. Correct. Um, and so it's at that moment that... 
you know, well, there's a little banter going back and forth between Hale and Deke. And there's a funny scene in there because I think, you know, they were talking about how Deke keeps getting denied for promotions and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, Christian Slater is like, you know, I, I know why you like still flying. It's because you like the power of the nukes. And there's this cut scene with like Travolta's eyes. Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> it is so do you weird. And creepy. I do remember. <laughs> that was, it was such a, we, we were watching the movie together oh. and I could see you kind of shuffle for a minute. Like, <laughs> That was weird. <laughs> it was so I over believe the it top. was less of a shuffle and more of a laugh. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of a laugh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was definitely <laughs> over the top, kind of ridiculous. There was a lot of over the top in this movie. Yeah, there was. And then it's at that point, you know, after the eye scene, that it's then like, all right, I'm going to, I guess, he he tried to shoot um, Hale, right? Is that, is that right? Yeah, he pulled his gun on he him. He pulled his gun yeah. on him. And then they start fighting back and forth. He releases, you know, he, he pulls this the ejector, um, seat. ejector seat, so Hal goes flying, then Deke's on the radio saying, Hal lost it, and, you know, we're going down, and then, like, all radio blackout, it's all done, right? So, obviously, we're, we are thinking that, obviously, Travolta, Deke is up to something at this point. Um, well, he, um, does he drop the bombs off? The missile's off before he pulls the ejector seat? No. He tries to, but fails. Oh, and that's and when he pulls once, the ejector seat. Yeah, once Hale's out, then he actually drops mm-hmm. and there's a, the nukes. There's a f- Which, if this is an exercise, why do you need the actual nukes? <laughs> I don't know. So the weight of the plane is correct? <laughs> I have no clue. I, I don't know. Right, like, I mean, if this isn't a real mission, why are we playing around with nuclear weapons in the Utah desert? Maybe they're like, it's Utah, whatever. I don't know. I don't have the answer for you. All right. The, uh, the maybe scene where he pulls his gun, mm-hmm. and it's got that shot of, you can see Travolta's reflection. Mm-hmm. That's a big John Woo trope. He puts something like that in almost all of his movies where you see the reflection of somebody with a gun. Oh. There's a lot of, John Woo has a lot of tropes that he keeps throughout all of his movies, like Doves, which didn't appear in this movie, but appears in Hard Target and Face Off. There's always Doves in his films. Okay. Very cool. So then... They decide, well, Defense Secretary, which is Kurtwood Smith, I didn't mention him earlier, so he was brought up in RoboCop, Red Foreman, does play a good guy. You know, he wants a brief of what's going on here, and then this is what I don't get. So that's when Giles steps in. Oh, that's Giles. That's Giles. So they were going to just release that, you know, there was, what were they going to say? I'm trying to remember. They were just going to say it was a... Just an accident. Just an accident. Yeah, and that was it. And John's like, we probably shouldn't say that because someone's going to know that there were nukes on board or something like that. No, believe it or not, this actually does kind of make sense. No, I don't think it was the nukes that were on board. I think they just would know... He said that they would know the type of plane that went out because there were people like sitting in lawn chairs at a fence or something like that. So they would have... It was a weird statement, right? Yeah, but the statement that they wanted to release was that it was just uh, like a normal plane, not the... Stealth That's right. It was bomber. a cargo plane that crashed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they have, and this is this is uh, this is true. There's people that sit outside of Air Force bases to see all these new experimental planes flying around, so they can get a shot of, so they can just see them. They're just plane enthusiasts. Okay. All right. That's fine. But then, who is this guy, Giles? He's not a military guy. He's just dressed up in a suit throughout the entire movie. I have no idea who I he is. I think he's is. their PR guy. He's like a government advisor. Is he, like, we never really get a real yeah. title for him. I just feel like he's just some random dude that showed up at the Pentagon like, hey, you know, we something's up here. 
We need to do more. We never get an idea of who he actually is or what he does. This did not bother you two. You're staring at me like, who cares? Well, it really bothered me. I think because he's all throughout the film, like, giving advice and offering things. It's like, who the fuck are you? Like, why are you at all these top brief, top secure mission briefings and nobody knows who you are? I mean, that's fair. However, <laughs> not generally not generally one of the major problems of the movie that I would get fired up about. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> There's other things, other issues. So they decide to go looking for the nukes that were dropped, right? And they find, well, they go to the wreckage of the plane and they find the nukes are missing. And that's where we get the phrase, a broken arrow, right? Now, you know, I did look it up. The broken arrow, that's not actually the correct term here. That is correct. So a broken arrow actually means that a nuke has gone off, In, but won't cause like war for any reason. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a non, non-combative nuclear incident. Yes. So in real life, that would be broken arrow. If a nuke is missing, the military calls that an empty quiver. Correct. So I thought that was interesting. That might be actually the most interesting part of this movie, and that's not even part of the movie. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, the Air Force people find the two missing they nukes. They sent a recovery crew. Yeah, they sent the recovery crew. They do find the nukes, and while they're trying to, I guess they're trying to disarm them. Well, yeah, they need no. Or they just need to just show that they're them. there. They just need to recover them and be in control of them so that nobody can take can take them. Yeah. Well, too bad because that's exactly what happens. Howie Long's with their group. Yeah. Executes everybody else. He's the mole. Yep. And takes possession of the both both because there's a separate group, a separate paramilitary group, like some mercenaries yep. that had hired uh that John Travolta had hired along with Bob Gunton, mm-hmm. who's financing this whole thing. Which I don't understand. What what's he financing? He, well, he's financing paying for the mercenaries, the transportation, and then fencing the. Uh, he, they're supposed to sell the nuclear weapon. Travolta turns on them, and um, is gonna is going to detonate one of the nuclear weapons, and uh, as a show of force. Yes. And then hold the government ransom. Yes. Bob Gunton was initially just he just wanted to sell the nuclear. <coughs> weapon. Who does Gunton work for anyone, or is he just kind of on his own? I don't he's think that's he's, uh, he's just a privateer. He's just a pissed off he's guy. He's just a guy who wants some money. Hmm. That's it. He's like an arms dealer, I would imagine. I guess. He seems like a kind of a sad, it's, weak arms dealer. Yeah, big time, right? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so we see this going on. Um, Hale is alive. So, for some reason, Deke thought he was dead, which I don't understand why he thought he was dead. He just pulled the... You know, the thing off from the plane. He was ejected out. Why did that make Travolta think that he killed him? Because he actually says that to to Pritchett and the other mercenaries. He's like, hey, he's probably dead. But then they're like, let's go double check. Was kind of how it was said. Why would? He, why do you think he's dead? I don't know. That's a good question. Right? He thought he was dead. Like, and why would had, you think he's dead? And the other part of this is, he had all this stuff planned out. He had a good idea <laughs> from the right from the beginning yeah. that Hal wasn't gonna go along with things. Mm-hmm. So he tries to shoot him. Obviously, that doesn't work. He doesn't have a backup plan, but he has uh, all these not. other really, really good, tight, quote unquote, tight uh, plans yeah. for for y- you know this whole scheme. Well, and that's like so. Then he wants the heli. So he's got a helicopter, and he wants to send the helicopter out to find Deke. Or to find Hal, I'm sorry, he's Deke. And so the idea is that the helicopters are going to transport the nukes out of there. 
So, okay, this brings up another question. Why do you care at this point about hell? Yeah, it, it right? makes no If difference. you've got the helicopter and you've got the nukes right there, fucking take the nukes on the helicopter and get the hell out of Utah. Yeah. And then, so and, why do you even go after Hal? Because as we find out in the film, Hal gets interrupted by Terry Carmichael, the, the girl, the park ranger. Samantha Mathis. Yeah, Samantha Mathis. And then the helicopter finds them both while they were struggling for a while. You know, late, eventually, Christian Slater has to state who he is and what he's doing and all that. But then the helicopter comes after them, and uh, Hal brings down the helicopter. So now... You know, Deke's plan is is got an issue because you've got no helicopter to haul these nukes away. Pritchett has a very well intended reason to be pissed at Deke for the helicopter blowing up. Yeah, but at the end of the movie, he's on a train with the helicopter on the train. So why does he have another backup helicopter? And, and why, why is that helicopter th- like you still have the nukes and the helicopter? Yeah. Why are they on a train at that point? I don't know. I don't. I don't understand this either. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot. Aaron, what do you think of this? Yeah, Aaron, you've been a little quiet lately. Make some lately. sense of this, please. I can't make any sense of it. <laughs> are, we hurting, are we eroding your confidence in this film? No, because I'll be honest, um, I the it didn't the movie didn't hold up. <laughs> and you know, even Nick said, Sphinx said in the beginning. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, you know, he said when he was younger, he thought it was so cool, and I think that's just kind of what my memory of it was as well is at that point mm-hmm. I thought it was cool man but yeah. it, obviously you know 20 years later it doesn't exactly hold up but at that point you know kind of the I don't know the era was in and and I was even having a conversation with a friend about this and maybe it is just like you know kind of our age group because we're a little bit younger than you and stuff like that like I don't know she thought it was cool too so who my friend Kristen. Oh, Kristen, that is cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, like rewatching this, I'm like, this shit doesn't make any sense. No, it didn't, didn't make well, any sense. Like, you got the nukes and you got a helicopter. Get the hell out of town. Especially because they mentioned that, because I, I didn't mention this earlier, Howie Long, you know, reports out to the Air Force that there's an exposed core, which is supposed to give them extended time because the military can't go in to look for the weapons. Yeah, they have to send a hazmat You know, they need hazmats and all that. So they even have extra time to fly out and be that super far away by the time anyone notices what's going on. But but he's got this thing with Hale that he's got to try to kill him for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know. That makes sense to me, though, because if Hale is still alive, then he's able to you know speak to what's actually happening. And if Hale's dead, it gives them a little bit more of a head start. Even if you're stranded in the Utah desert, that Hale would be in there in a helicopter somewhere else. And ultimately, yeah. it didn't matter because Travolta sent a ransom demand to the government. Right? There's that, too. His face. But was that always the plan? Yeah. Yeah. It was always his his plan was always to take one of the nukes to that mine and blow it up and then use the other nuke to to ransom basically Washington DC or wherever it is they were going. But I They're still going think to Denver. Denver. With Hale being alive that throws off his timeline. Yeah, but at that point but it shouldn't have because he shouldn't have been concerned about Hale cuz he had the nukes. And he had the helicopter. Well, clearly, you know, to support Aaron, I mean, Deke's got an ego. And it's bruised a little bit, the fact that, you know, Hal's still alive. So I think you're right. I think he's got, he's a little hurt that this guy is kind of still screwing around with him. And I think that that ultimately becomes his downfall as a villain. Is he lets uh, Hal get to him too much and the whole plan gets screwed over. 
which I guess is good for America. I have another separate issue as well. <laughs> okay. So he knows the codes to these bombs. <laughs> Not only does he knows the, know the codes, yeah. he switched out the boards in them somehow. When did he have time to do that? No. When, when, Not did, only, when did DK have time? Do, oh, only, I'm all by myself with a nuclear weapon. Let me play with the circuit board. Um, And aside from that, I'm pretty sure nuclear weapons don't have like full blown like keyboards with buttons on it that say cancel and activate. And yeah. I, I don't think that really exists. No, and when would a pilot have access right, never. to a nuclear missile? Right. We, I don't even want to give our president codes to the nuclear weapons. No. We're going to give it to this pilot right now? Sure. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of issues. And with I mean, this. when did he and, and when did he have act, when did he have time to to hotwire this damn nuclear weapon? Like, was no one paying attention at the moment? Like, oh guys, I'm just gonna look at these nuclear weapons and uh, play around with them for a little bit. Right. Like, are they in a storage facility somewhere? And yeah. he breaks in, and I mean, that might have been a better movie. Yeah. That might have been. They could be like a heist movie. Yeah, could have <laughs> been. So, I mean, all right. We went through a lot of the issues here. Yeah, and, and there's really not, not a ton of plot left. No, there I really mean, isn't. I the mean, there was is... a scene at the mine. I remember as a kid, like going back and, and how much we love this movie as a kid, when the nuclear bomb went off, I thought that was so cool as a kid. Yeah. You know, like seeing like the ground shake and all that. Yeah, that was pretty and, cool. And, you know, the second helicopter goes down as they were going to, you know, stop. Uh, Deke and, and Howie Long and, and all of those guys. At that point, Pritchett dies pretty roughly. He gets hit in the chest with a mag light. That's brutal. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that's a real suck. issue. But he was at that point. I was getting tired of him too. So sure, I kind of I was on Deke's side for that one. I can understand that. So you know the the other thing about this film, <laughs> I do have to go back a little bit before they get to this compromise and nuke goes off. There's this Hummer scene, right? <laughs> Where they've got two Hummers. And they put both of the nukes on one of the Hummers, but they only have one person in that Hummer. So the other three guys are in the other Hummer. Somehow, Christian Slater, Hal, gets the speed of the Flash and can chase up to the Hummer, Mm -hmm. gets onto that Hummer, and throws the guy out. And now he's now got the Hummer with the two nuclear weapons. What the fuck? Wouldn't yeah. you have done like two people on both Hummers and put one nuke on each one? Wouldn't that have made sense? I mean, they said there was concern about the weight, but what? I don't like, understand. You know what? We can't. Am I getting too deep into this? No, and how no of it makes any sense? Most of this movie. No, there isn't. No. So ultimately. The plan ends with Christian Slater and John Travolta boxing in a train car next to a nuke that's about to go off, and they have a remote control between them that they're trying to fight over. They do. And if he's got the remote control, why does he need to bother typing things on the touchpad of the nuke? I don't know. Couldn't you just hit the enter button, as Aaron mentioned, and just have it go off? Because, I mean, also at this point, the plan's obviously over. Sure. You know, he gave up. He's like, I'm just going to die with these nukes. Yeah. Or the nuke, because the other one went off in the mine. So it's like, why don't you just launch it now? Or have it go off at this point? It didn't make any sense. No. Didn't make any sense. And I don't even remember. How does Travolta die in this? I don't even remember. Are you serious? You don't remember how he dies? Does he, he get? Oh, that's right. That's right. That's the, <laughs> that's the best death of the movie. That's <laughs> right. And he launches it without detonating the bomb. <laughs> yeah. 
and it pierces him through uh, the back uh, of the train car. Then the train crashes, and you just see like the nuke rolling down the hill. That's right, but just it's like safe. a pencil. Didn't blow up. No, didn't blow up at all. Right. Well, that's because when Hal jumped out of the train, he did like a karate chop action. Did you see that? He was like in a pose and then hit the off button right as he was doing it. With two seconds left. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was pretty sweet. But they did explain the nuclear weapon situation, how it would not go off with the heat and explosion. Uh, they're very clear about that in the beginning of the movie. All right, fair enough. I must have missed that part. I don't know. <laughs> so it's out. weird. It's weird how that happens. At the same time, like, shouldn't there have been way more people involved in this whole thing? Way more people who? Like, military? Like, the government? Doesn't it feel like there was a really small cast of people trying to save the day from these nukes? Because yeah. with the train scene, you know, that corporal guy shows up with the other helicopter that then that one blows up. And he even said he was going rogue because Hal convinces him that they need to save the girl. Do you, we need to save the girl when there's a nuclear weapon heading to Denver? Not trying to be mean to, to the life of the girl, but you're talking about a thermonuclear weapon that's heading to a million-plus population. The girl did it to herself that she hopped on the damn raft and hopped on the truck. Like, what was her <laughs> plan on the train when she was in front of the nuke? Like, she all of a sudden knows how to not... I mean, I guess because it was so easy on the on the pallet that right. she could just hit cancel and the nuke's gone. Well, obviously. Maybe she felt like she could do this all by herself. Um, I also take issue with the fact that this gun that um, she has tucked back in in the back of her pants, yeah. how is she like, you know, Travolta's got her by the neck, and then I just don't understand how he wouldn't have seen the gun, because, you know, magically Christian Slater that. sees it. And yeah. It's, That's true. I right? didn't think about that. I just think there's a lot of gaps. But yeah. at least she didn't carry it down the front of her pants. That's <laughs> that's that's true. very true. True. <laughs> yes, I mean she doesn't. Never mind. We're just. I'm gonna leave it at that. Yep. So there's a lot of weird things with this movie, without a doubt. And it sounds like all three of us are kind of in agreement that I think we had a great past of this movie, but then after watching it again, it's like, what? What the hell is this? Am I kind of in? A, you guys yes. in agreement? So there? are we ready to? Are we ready to rate, to, to rate this? Yeah, I think we are. All right. I think we're going to have our guests go first, right? Would you like to go first? No. Or do you want to? You okay. Oh, I'll go right. first. I'll go, go first. <laughs> so I am a big John Woo fan, just in general. I like John Woo's movies. I like The Killers. I like, you know, Hard Target, Face Off. This movie is not one of his best. I'm upset that Face Off is not going to be as good as I thought it was either as a kid, but... You're wrong. I've seen it recently. Oh, okay. I think you'll be... You know, I don't know. Maybe well, you won't We'll see. Be. All right, continue on. I'm sorry. Know. This movie... <laughs> I, it wasn't... It wasn't... It wasn't unenjoyable to watch. I enjoyed watching it. I was entertained by it. It baffled me in parts. I mean, there was stuff... Shit just didn't make sense in a lot of this movie. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, but, but ultimately, I mean, it wasn't a terrible movie. You know, I, I would give it, it's definitely worth a watch. And I would, I would give it a, I would give it a th three out of five. Mm. Okay. Three out of five machine guns. Oh, me. Oh, I can go. Um, it's up to you. No, it's okay. I can go. Okay. I would say because. 
of the, you know, sort of sentimental attachment. I would also give it a three. It did have some pretty good explosions as far as action movies go. They were big. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Explosions. I don't know. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah. No, I would say a three as well, just mostly based on the sort of like um, history with the movie versus the actual movie itself. Plus, it has Christian Slater. (laughs) That gives it that boost. Right. That's the extra half a machine gun. Yeah. There you go. Fair enough. I also saw this movie with my wife. I don't think she had ever seen it before, but she's like, yeah, I'll watch it with you. And she was just as impressed as we all are right now with this movie. (laughs) I'm going back and forth on this right now, though. Like, when we started going over all of this issues with it, I'm like, I want to knock this down lower. But then you both kind of convinced me, like, as an action movie, it definitely still has all those thrills. It still serves the point of being entertained, lots of explosions. You know, I think I remember reading as a kid that this movie had more helicopter explosions than any other movie ever because i think like four helicopters blow up in it yeah there's a lot there's a lot Which, of helicopter i mean and, and they're like deaths. actual helicopters that blow up yeah. so i feel like that's a lot of money to blow up four helicopters for one movie so yeah, no there are models some of them are models i don't know if any of them are models there's a lot of model work in this and some of the mod like the when the when the the b3 bomber lands yeah. It's very, oh, that looks like Doom. Oh, it looks it, like MS DOS. It's, like, it's like Godzilla level, <laughs> yeah, Godzilla level model work. Yeah, it is. So I think since I'm bouncing back and forth, I'm going to go back with my original rating here. I'm giving it two and a half. I'm going to go a little bit lower than you guys. Okay. I mean, I did love it as a kid. I don't know why I did. Because there actually were a couple scenes too. I was kind of like, all right, this movie needs to end. But nonetheless, yeah, I'm going to give it two and a half. And I think I'm pretty happy with it. Okay. Would so. you recommend people watch it? If there's nothing else to do, (laughs) (laughs) sure. Watch Broken Arrow. Aaron, what do you think? Would you recommend to watch? If it's on TNT Mm -hmm. or TBS, sure. What if it's on like sci-fi? Then yeah. Okay. So if it's it's on TV. If it's on TV. I wouldn't like spend money to see it, but if it's on TV, it's definitely worth checking out. Even if you just want a good laugh. Okay. If you're flipping through all those channels on your cable and and this looks like the best one, I guess sit and watch it. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, I I say definitely give it a watch. I think it's worth it. I mean, if if for no other reason than than, than to see, you know, ham-fisted Travolta acting. Yeah. I still thought he did okay in the movie. I don't know. He's not. I liked Travolta. And I liked Howie Long. And, and you know Howie what? Long actually, good. you know, I kind of said bad things about Christian Slater before, but actually, Christian Slater did a good job in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think he did. And he actually did most of his stunts, too. So, you know, he did. I read that to him. Book. Yeah. All right. So, you know, I'll give the acting. You know, the acting was okay. I'm still keeping it two. I'm not convincing myself. It's staying at two and a half, not not, not jumping up to three like you guys. That's fair, fair enough. Can't do it. Fair enough. Can't do it. So, one of the, thing, one of the other things you should definitely watch mm-hmm. is uh, head over to GameZilla Media. And uh, check out all the other products from GameZillaMedia.com. Uh, we got the GameZilla podcast, which streams live on sure Mondays. Does. Monday nights. And then they release the episodes on Tuesdays. We got Noobs and Dragons, which is the D&D podcast. Craig uh, is the Dungeon Master. We got Grim, Jazzy, and Chops are all there on Wednesdays. Uh, Legend of Retro podcast is on Thursdays with Chops, Craig, and, and Xander now is back as well. Yes, Xander has returned. Which is nice to hear Xander's voice. It is, because that Xander. means we don't have to hear Chops as much. Well, I'm some of you don't. just teasing. Uh, Craig does long plays, so he picks video games and plays them. And uh, you can watch his uh, 
his 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 long plays of of whatever he's playing. He's played Earthbound. He's played uh, he's played uh, what did he play? Dragon, not Dragon Warrior. Um, I'm not sure. Final Fantasy six slash three. He played. Okay, and then uh, we've got games of the Alpha, which they kind of retooled that a little bit, and um, yeah. That's going pretty well. Yep, and uh, check us out on Patreon as well. Uh, anytime you become a, when you become a Patreon, uh, you can get some extra content from us. You can get behind the DM screen, which is the extra content from from Dungeons and Dra- from the uh, Noobs and Dragons podcast. And uh, and we really appreciate you know all the all the patrons out there. They help us keep the lights on. They help us offer great things like we got our nerd barbecue coming up. Um, although by the time this uh, podcast released, nerd barbecue is going to be over. Way to go! You just ruin that that's all right people have heard about it you know why you know why they've heard about it because they've gone to our discord that's and they've true. joined us on discord and true they've heard that. about the nerd barbecue that we have every year and they've shown up and and right now they're they're probably reminiscing about how great the nerd barbecue was that's probably exactly what's going mm-hmm. on because you're going to be there now you were going to go on vacation that's true and now you're not you've canceled your vacation i did to not come cancel to, you <laughs> no. postponed your vacation did to not come do that to, either you just happened to not be able to leave when you wanted to, and there now you you're go. coming to the nerd barbecue because you're lonely. Sure. Yes. So check us out on GameZillaMedia.com and, uh, and and check out all the stuff that we have to offer, and we appreciate you being so much, so much us. out there at this point. Yeah, please help and support us as we continue forward with everything. Yes, and and I would like to thank my lovely wife Erin for being here and supporting me in doing this podcast because it's uh you know. Sometimes difficult for us to make time, and and she accommodates me whenever I need it, and I really appreciate it. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, you're welcome. You did a great job today. <laughs> Thank you. I promise if you ever have me back, I'll pick an actually good movie to watch. What other action? There was one other action movie you said you kind of liked. Mission Impossible. Oh, Mission Impossible. Or Jason oh. Bourne. Oh, the Bourne movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go. We'll keep that. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. It's on the list. <laughs> we got a list. It's on that list. Okay. We do have a list. We do have a list, indeed. All right. Well, uh, this has been the Last Action Podcast. Uh, I am LPJ. This is Sphinx. Uh, and this episode has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>